You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. I'm the host of this show. As always, make sure you give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And before we get into the Oilers chat, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. And when you sign up, as I always tell you, make sure to use promo code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. You will not regret it. And might I recommend playing the pools? Pools are free to play. They're easy to enter. All you have to do is download the DraftKings app. You go to the pools page. You can select from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. It's very simple. Then just watch your sports, monitor the contest, and see how you do. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. That's the DraftKings app, promo code THPN. For a limited time only at DraftKings, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Like I said, my name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. For the Edmonton Oilers, still waiting, still waiting. Not too much they can do. Of course, they hypothetically could re-sign their own players, but nothing as of yet when it comes to that topic. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, of course, the one a lot of people watching out for. Of course, the opportunity for him to enter free agency for the first time in his NHL career. We'll wait and see what happens with that one. Adam Larson, another name to watch out for. On the show today, we will be joined by Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. And uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter as well, at the Fantasy Grind. And, you know, even though the Oilers are out of the playoffs, you can still win money on DraftKings with hockey, with golf, and soon with the NFL. So Jeffrey's going to touch on all those topics. We'll try to get you guys some money in your bank accounts going forward with DraftKings. But first, we're going to talk to Hernan Salas. He, of course, one half of the Don Wheaton on White postgame show on TSN 1260 with Tom Gazzola. Lots of other things, and we'll get to his full introduction when we start the interview. But full disclosure, I asked Hernan to come on to talk about the Oilers roster next season and, you know, the top... Th- Top six, you know, the, the bottom six. Who do we want to see in those positions? Uh, defensively, you know, who's your third pairing defense? Who do we got between the pipes? And after 25 minutes, we had only gotten through the forwards. So we're going to break it up into a few part series here. Maybe next time we get him on, we'll talk defense and goaltending. But for this one, we're just talking forwards and who we'd like to see in the Oilers top 12 next season. We'll get to that interview right now. We now bring in Hernan Salas. He is one half of the Don Wheaton on White postgame show on TSN 1260. He's also part of the Locked On Oilers podcast. Two guys in the goalie. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Hernan Demand. Hernan, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Beautiful weather. I mean, uh, yeah, just uh, summer's here, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. I was looking at the weather forecast, and uh, it's going to be hot in Edmonton, and, uh, you know, you got got to find ways to stay cool. What's the ideal way for you? Is it a patio, pool, lake? Like, what do you do to, to beat the heat on one of these days? I don't need to beat the heat. I love the sun, <laughs> so I'm in the sun all day, man. As long as I have a cerveza, I'm good, man. I, I absolutely love the sun, so... And, and you know what? It's funny. It's, summers are so short here that, like, I, I enjoy it as much as I can. 
That is a, a very good mindset to have. Don't and don't yeah. complain about the heat. Like if you don't like it, stay inside, stay in the basement if you can, yeah. get a fan. <laughs> but let people enjoy it because you're right. It goes by way too fast and uh I mean, we are here. It is now as we tape this June 21st, but when it hits the podcast world June 22nd, uh, hockey's still going on. Of course, the Oilers not in there, but we got to keep the Oilers content machine going. So let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers lineup and let's, let's look ahead the next season because I think there's a lot of questions to be asked about what people might want to do and, and where you might want to see them. So we're going to scroll through this top to bottom. Let's start with line number one, Hernan. And uh, I think you and I both agree. Connor McDavid in that center spot. No questions asked. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's him now. Who's going to be flanking him is the big question. I mean, we've kind of seen Nuge not really. I don't know if he can run his own line, but I don't think it's ideal for the orders. And Dreisaitl can run his own line, but he's also so damn good with um, he's so damn good with Conor McDavid. But then you're a one line team, so it's it's hard to grasp. I, I think Jess Puliari will be that guy on the right and then on the left. I mean, if they can find someone, Connor, I think that's the ideal line. Uh, like I said, I, I love Drysdale with McDavid, but you lose a little bit. Now, it depends on, on how he fills the other lines as well. It might work, but um, I guess it depends on if, if, if they can land the top six left winger in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the big question. I think you know, obviously, I, I was giving you an opportunity to take a, a fire take there and say like McDavid should be a winger or something, but I'm glad I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> no, run, no, no. I'm glad you didn't run with that or anything. Uh, and, and I agree. I think Jesse Puliyarvi probably cemented his spot there. I, I look at the left wing, and I think free agency obviously would be an interesting route. I know some people like uh, a guy like Thomas Tatar with the Montreal Canadiens who you know can't even crack the lineup there. So so maybe not the guy you want in down the stretch in the playoffs, but. I look at a guy and, and I think, you know, it's a bit of a debate because some people might say he needs a little more time to, to work on his game and could probably do so with the Bakersfield Condors. But do you think there's any chance Dylan Holloway, the, uh, 2020 first round pick gets a shot in there? Um, yeah, that's a, listen, I, I know he's been an impressive, um, he was really good in college at the world juniors. He was excellent. I don't know if he got into playoff games with the Baker. I know he was with the team. Um, but he's an interesting one, Connor. He's a big body. He can play the physical game. He's got a scoring touch. He's definitely an intriguing option. I, I don't know how I feel about throwing a young guy in his first pro career, uh, first pro year, sorry, with, um, Connor McDavid. But I mean, if he comes in, he camp, he looks good. He earns it. I mean, why not? If there's not better options, but. I really hope there's a better option than rushing Dylan Holloway into that spot. I do think we will see Dylan Holloway, Holloway at some point in the season, but um, I don't know if I'd have him on that top line right off the hop, unless he completely knocks uh, the coaching staff's socks off at, at camp in the preseason, right, Connor? But um, I'm more of the patient guy. I, I, I don't, unless, again, unless they, they push their way into the lineup, I'm not rushing any of these young guys, but... Dylan Holloway is a guy that I can see long term, but next year I, I don't know if he starts it. Yeah, and I, you know I, I just throw it out there because uh, I have Craig Button on with Jason Greger every Friday, and I think like every time the name comes up, he says I think he's ready for the NHL. I think he can make that jump, and I even have to remind myself and like listen to the old podcast where I said, "When's the next time a guy you know twenty one or younger is going to make that leap to the NHL for the Oilers?" I mean, it'd have to be a, a very no. special occasion, and Dylan Holloway 
He's 19 years old. When the season gets started, he will be 20. But I, I do agree with you. I think your first step of professional hockey should be with the Bakersfield Condors, especially with her track record as of late, the way they develop these young players. Yeah, like, I mean, Ethan Bear forced his way onto the team last year. Bouchard, a uh, weird pandemic year, but when he played, he looked really good. But he's he's had the whole season under his belt. Caleb Jones spent time in the minors. Look at Yamamoto before his call-up in, in 2019. He spent... Uh, some quality time in the AHL. So, yeah, and listen, Craig Button, I, I love that man. I, he's a smart hockey guy. He might be ready. I just don't know if I'd slot him in there with Connor McDavid. I mean, there's everybody says Connor McDavid can play with anyone, but we know that's not the case because how many guys did they try when they split dry settle McDavid up throughout the years? There's not a lot of guys that work, Connor. Um, so, uh, to put that kind of pressure on a young kid, uh, I don't think I would, but I. This is a fascinating player to me. I, I love what he's made, he, what he brings. He's just, he's got almost a little bit of everything. Now, how does that translate to the NHL? I, I think what we saw in college and in the world juniors is exactly the player we're going to see in the NHL. He's just going to be one of those, um, you know, bleak disturbers who's got skill. He's going to be a nice power forward for this team. But, yeah, we'll wait till training camp, Connor. I mean, it looks like we are returning to uh, some... Uh, some normal times here, so it'll be great to see him in the preseason and, and in the inner squad games and go from there. So right now we kind of have an open slash free agent, right? Maybe maybe Tatar, maybe Jane Schwartz. I think that's a guy that people throw out there. But sure, we've got McDavid and yes, he pulled Yarvi on that top line, and you have to factor in that Leon Drysdale probably gets a look there as well. Now dropping down to the second line, assuming he, Leon Drysdale is not on the top one, let's just call it one B. Dreisaitl in the middle. Who do you think flanks him with the potential that Ryan Nugent Hopkins could be gone? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, Yamamoto coming off, like, now, it's weird to say this, because Yamamoto, I thought, had a, like, he played his butt off this year, but the point production wasn't there. And and, and I know, I know, I think Tommy Gazzola said it, like, uh, before the season, like, let's pump the brakes on 60 points for Yamamoto talk, because he's just coming into his second uh, season, right? with the NHL club, and he did take a step back in terms of points. I thought his play was always there. He just, you know, he was snake-bitten a lot, especially late in the season where he just couldn't find a goal. But he's a quality player. He's only going to get stronger. Um, so I drive side of Yamamoto. Yeah, and I mean, if Nuge is back, I, I like, Nuge, I think it's a misconception that he's really good with McDavid. Like, if you look at their 5-on-5 five five points, he doesn't produce a lot with Connor McDavid. So, I would prefer him on that line. Let him run from day one, right, Connor? Because last year we were all asking for it. He put it together at times, and, and I think at the towards the end of the season he gave it a look for the last couple of games and all that. But I, I would go back to that line. They had success the first time around. Second time around, I mean, did they really get a really good look? I don't think so. They still were able to chip in here and there. But, yeah, if Nuge is back... Definitely, I'd put that line back together. If he's not, then Connor, the problem only gets bigger because now you're looking for two top six guys uh, to play on your left side. So, I mean, it's it's interesting times in Oilerland. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, I mean, th- then the question becomes, let's say Nugent Hopkins is being paid as a second-line center or, or a second-line winger. I mean, what does that drop him down? Does he accept that? Because he's... I don't know. I, there's a number in my mind, and you know, people talk about the six million. That's the max. Like that's as high as I go because, with all due respect to the guy, I know he's been a loyal soldier, and you know he can help you out in a in a bunch of ways. He's got the versatility, 
Uh, Leon Dreisaitl won a league MVP and he's only making a couple million more. Like, I just, you gotta set the precedent. Like, unless you're playing at MVP level or close to it, you're, you're not even gonna get in that, that range. So, I guess we kinda sit back and wait and see. But you've got Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, and then the left wing, similar to the top line left wing, kind of a haze. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that way. And I don't know. Can you swap Yamo to the RV Connor? I, I don't know. I mean, Jesse was, was good too this year. There's just so much. Yeah, there's so much unknown right now, right? Like, I, I think the good problem with the order when you look at the top six, they got four guys that you mm-hmm. know can play there. Yeah. Now, five is new to resign. So, I mean, you know, like, I don't think they're going to go crazy and, and, and look for so many guys, but it's one of those things where, I, I mean, if Nuge doesn't resign, and by, I don't, I don't know, I don't even know if they're close, Connor. I, I, who knows where they're at in contract talks, what's that number going to look like, but, um, Man, it'd be fascinating if he he opts not to come back and what the orders do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, listen, I I get the new love, but I also get it to a certain extent why people don't want him back because he's going to get paid. I mean, he's a good player. He does a lot of things well, but yeah, it's for me, it all comes down to the money. Yeah, and, and I'm with you 100 percent there. And you, you said it; he does a lot of things well, but at this point in his career, does he do anything great? And, and that's that's the thing for a guy that produces a lot on the power play five on five. I think I think I think I saw it before the playoffs. I think he only had like three primary assists five on five, which is not good. Like, and he played a lot with McDavid. Um, again, he's he can PK. He plays on your power play. Uh, he can play winger or center. But again, I think he said it perfectly. Like he's good at all things. He's not great. And I, and I think here in Edmonton, like, everybody loves Luigi because he's a draft pick. He's just, he's, he's been through so many tough years. You just want to see the guy succeed. He works hard. He plays the game the right way. But at the end of the day, the Oilers got to make decisions based using their head, not their heart. Because I think in the past, the Oilers got caught too many times using their heart, and it ended up costing them. So they have to be smart with Nuge. And I'm not saying Nuge is get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. No, but it's got to make sense for the team. Like, you can't overpay for Nuge. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. And just going back to what you said there, like, you look at his, his stats this year, 35 points in 52 games, that that looks nice. But on the power play, he had 20 points. So it was 15 five-on-five points in the 52-game season, not great. And, I mean, I think you have to be realistic. When you're looking at that top unit power play that they had, McDavid and Dreisaitl did a lot of the heavy lifting. Tyson Berry, uh, a, a lot of it. And I know he did. He, he contributed nine power play goals, which is great. But I, I think to, to re, you know replace that productivity, you could do it. You could find guys in free agency for you know cheaper than what you potentially have to pay Nugent Hopkins. And, and, okay, looking at his points totals, like you just said, he's had some really good years. Like, but at 28, 29 years old, like, how many more times is he going to hit that? Like, what's realistic for New Like, everybody's like, yeah, but he hit 60 points. Okay, but is he going to do that again? That's a good question. Right? And then, yeah, I think that's fair. To me, I look at his playing style, and I don't think he should diminish too much with age. Like, I, I don't think he really ever relied on his physical traits to to carry him. Like when you look at some guys, like a Connor McDavid, one day might slow down. He's obviously got these other attributes that will keep him uh, playing in the NHL for a long time. But with Nugent Hopkins, I mean, 
you you never really have to worry about that. Like I think he's an efficient skater. That shouldn't yeah. diminish too much. Like I think he can play into his mid thirties, but I do agree. I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to just all of a sudden click that offensive upside uh, once again. Uh, Hernan Salas joining me here on the other Connor podcast, and we're talking Oilers and, and the potential lineup next season. We've gone through the top two, and there's question marks. And and I think now getting into the bottom six, that's where it really gets interesting. Like you do have a guy that in Ryan McLeod who could potentially, I think, be a great third line center. Uh, we haven't found a spot yet for Zach Cassian, so maybe he hops on the third line right wing with the potential to jump up in a pinch if needed. But once again, I, I think we're still looking at that left side. Like, who do you have there? Yeah, it's oh, the bottom six is where he gets because they, <laughs> they said they wanted to improve, right? Absolutely, they have to. <laughs> they have to, and then Devin Shore's signing created a ruckus here in Edmonton. Everybody went crazy and. And, and and like you bring Kyra back, like if you want to improve, you can't bring back the same guys, right? So yeah. um, again, I think Ryan McLeod, an NHLer, I think he's going to start year, the start the year here. Is it ideal for him to be on the top, on the third or fourth? Probably on the fourth, and then he can PK and all that. Who knows how much better he'll be next year? Um, but it's yeah, it's one of those it's one of those things where the bottom six like. It's Ryan McLeod. What kind of step is he going to take? Devin Shore, you kind of know what you're getting. Zach Haskins, not going anywhere. Um, hopefully he can find his game because he hasn't been very good, Connor. Let's just call it how it is. Um, and then, uh, who's the other, who am I missing there? And then you still got, I mean, I, what's going to happen with Kyle Turris? Right? Like, <laughs> does this guy even push for a spot, Connor? And yeah. people are going to be like, oh, Hernan, he will. But I'm like, he barely played towards the end of the season. He didn't get in. I don't even know if he got into the playoffs. No. Uh, prob- probably not. So I'm kind of sitting there like, bottom six needs a lot of work. And you got to bring in players that can just do that job, but also can chip in. And I'm not saying you have to get a 20-goal score to play in bottom six. Obviously not. But you need a guy that, you need a couple guys that can help, right? Like Josh Archibald, he's a good player as well. He's a bottom six guy that can moonlight. But... Yeah, man, like it's, um, I mean, I know a low tie brought up this name, but like a Blake Coleman would be awesome. Um, stuff, guys like that, but I just, Connor, like I don't even know where to begin, like what their mindset is for the bottom six, because like I said, you got Tyra, you bring him back, he's a decent third liner, right? Yeah, and you know, you know what? I I think you honestly have to finally look at Tyler Benson and maybe even Cooper Marodi. Like, I feel like Cooper Marodi has this stigma, like he's this old guy, but he's twenty four years old. Uh, Tyler Benson, twenty three years old, and they played so well together. I mean, leading the league in points in the AHL. I think you got to find out what you have in those two, and and maybe you bring them up and let them play together in the NHL, and and see if they can can do that at the higher level, but. That's me kind of looking outside the box here and, and saying maybe you have some guys in your system that you've developed and they can make that jump up and help you out and, and not in a top six role but contribute and, and yeah, I know you know some people might say you want to go to free agency and find those proven NHLers and that's great you, you hope it can happen but you know sometimes you have these guys right in your backyard and, and you got to take a look and see what you got there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I Tyler Benson's a skilled guy. I don't know if he's suited for that bottom six. Maybe a Cooper Marody, but I'm always. You know, 24 years old, going to be 25. Like, if you haven't been, like, I feel like he, he just hasn't, when he's gotten the opportunity. He's a very confident guy. I remember he joined you guys on the Breakers show a few years ago, and 
and I remember I texted you, and I'm like, man, he's really confident because he's like, I, my games, I tried to model my game after Datsuk and all that. And listen, he's a really good AHL player, but I don't know if he, I don't know if they can translate to the NHL. Um, but they're going to get a look, Connor. I mean, like you said, if, if Ken Holland strikes out and Ken brings in quality players, like they're going to get a look. Tyler Benson, I think, here is one of those guys where. Do you give him a look in the top six in preseason to see what he has? If you can't find that left winger you're looking for, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. No one. I mean, can he be any worse than Dominic Cahoon? And then in <laughs> saying that, Dominic Cahoon was, was good this season, but, you know, the goal total he had, it's not good enough when you're playing with dry title for most of the season. Like, so why couldn't Tyler Benson probably produce the same? So, those two names, I, I think more Tyler Benson's going to get a heavier look. I, I think Cooper Memorial, they kind of know what they have, and he might be like maybe the second, third, fourth call-up, but I don't think he's here to start. But, you know, I just think there's uh, players that have already surpassed him. Um, you look at uh, Ryan McLeod, and then uh, and, and the basis for Connors have a lot of good young players, Connor, too. You never know. One might surprise, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think a guy... Extreme wild card, and it might be a year or two down the road, but uh, Raphael Lavoie, I think that yeah. that could be a guy that, you know, sneaks you a good speed, good size, and he, he's had success on every level. Like, I remember when the Oilers drafted him, and we talked to uh, Jared Brown on the podcast on Thursday. I highly recommend it if you missed it. We, like, went through all the potential guys the Oilers could be drafting this year and into the later rounds as well, but mm-hmm. he talked about Raphael Lavoie, said, like, I was surprised he was a second-round pick. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's representing Canada at the World Juniors. And he goes and plays in Europe, and he has success. And goes to Bakersfield and later on in the year and has success. Like, he, yeah. he seems to just hit the ground running wherever he goes. So, extreme wild card. I'm not saying to lock him in in the bottom six or anything like that. But you never know what could happen. You're right. The Condors do have some skill. And uh, definitely, I, I think sometimes we just get so enticed by free agency. And, you know, you, you want to overpay. Like, Zach Hyman, got to get this guy on the team. Well... You know, maybe you got a cheaper option that can do the job not quite as well, but can help you out and, and still gives you some cap space. Uh, it's going to be cool to see Hernan with the fourth line now. <laughs> I think we've thrown out almost every name. I think, I mean, that fourth line, maybe Devin Shore. Some people might not like that, but maybe he's your, your extra forward on the roster. What do you think the fourth line could be? Who comes together? I mean, Jujar Kara, potentially uh, he's a RFA. Maybe you keep him for another year and throw him in that role. Uh, I don't think Chason's coming back. Maybe maybe you disagree on that one. But what do you think about that fourth line? Yeah, like in an ideal world, for me at least, I, I wouldn't want McLeod as my third-line center. I'd want him as my fourth-line center to start. Um, so I'd have McLeod there. Now, it, again, it's so hard because it depends on who they bring in because is, is Zach Cassie in there? Is, is, is that a line, McLeod, with Zach Cassie and Josh Archibald? I mean, all three guys are on your contract. Mm-hmm. And then your third line will be completely new. And then Devin Shore is probably your extra, right? So, I mean, I don't think – I'm, I'm intrigued by Jujar Kyra, but I just – the owners were very clear that they want to improve their bottom six and, and bringing back the same guys. I don't think you're really doing that. I don't think they're bringing back Chase on uh, Patrick Russell for me. Never. Uh, I, I just never got it with that player. Tyler Ennis is not coming back. Uh, so it, it might be a whole new uh, third line corner. Like who knows? And, and, might, and that might be with a Bakersfield Condor on it as well. But I mean, ideally you probably want Shore as your extra. Um, if anything goes wrong in that bottom six, he comes in. You probably want McLeod on that fourth. 
and then you probably are looking to bring in a third line center who's good on draws who can chip in offensively and then on the winger side I mean Archibald Cassian you still have James Neal depending on if they buy him out or not like I it, it's going to be interesting to see because a guy you brought up Cooper Marodi make it on the fourth line who knows uh, do they go out and get a Blake Coleman and an Eric Halla maybe that can fill those uh, those roles right so man it's 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 fun to talk about. It's also hard because until we know what's going on with the free agents and who's coming in and who's not coming back, it's hard to gauge this lineup because, I mean, there's so many big names. Uh, like, Nuge is a huge one. Kyra, obviously, is not a big name, but it's one that's interesting and to see if the bring him back or not. Hernan, uh, I'm going to let you go in a minute here. We'll have to get you back and do this again and talk defense and uh, goaltending because this this went really long. I thought we could do the whole team in you know 20 minutes or so, but it uh, might be running out of time here. I just want to look at some of these names here in free agency, and you know you you dropped a couple, and one of the one on the, the TSN 1260 text line, which I'm sure you've seen people people like to throw out Gabriel Landeskog with the Colorado Avalanche. Now, to me. I don't think there is any reason he would leave. He's their captain. Yeah. They've got a great team loaded and, you know, poised to, I think, have a lot of success in the future. But is there anyone you have on your wish list that you think, man, if they could just grab him? And, and maybe there's a couple guys. Maybe it's Tatar and Schwartz and there's a few guys you really like. But anyone you would be circling and thinking, we, we add this guy in and it could be a really great addition for the Oilers. Oh man, that's a great question. Like, and I'm going to go on on realistic here. Um, I don't think Landis calls. Why would he be? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that team is very close to winning. I mean, Tatar, he's a little bit inconsistent. Thirty years old. You'll probably get him cheap though. Jaden Schwartz, I don't mind either. I think his best days are behind him as well. I'm uh, just going through the list right now. I mean, I I don't mind a Nick Bonino. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who can play for two years on your fourth, third line, kills penalties, can moonlight in your second power play. Um, guy like that, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, not there's not one that really like stands out to me, uh, Connor. Where I'm like, oh my god, they gotta go try and get this guy. I mean, I'll be happy as long as the team is improved. There's a lot of good RFAs, but those guys are going to get signed up. It's Joel Armia, I mean, is an interesting name from Montreal. He's having a really good playoffs. He's an excellent bottom six guy, knows his role, kills penalties, can also moonlight in your top six. But outside of that, like Ovechkin, Gatslap, Hall, Krejci, Liney, like none of those guys are coming here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Lamiskog would be truly amazing, but that's not going to happen. So <laughs> I think you're looking at more, I guess I'm looking more at the bottom six. Uh, Benino, I like. Um, I like uh, Eric Halla. I like a, uh, a Joel Armia. I mean, it's it's those names now. I, I know Zach Hyman's a big one being mm-hmm. talked about. Um, I like Blake Coleman as well. Um, but I don't know what it's going to take to get those guys there. I mean, if you don't want to pay news, but you're going to pay Hyman, I'm, I'd be kind of like, hey, what, what's going on here? Because I think they're pretty close, right? They're both players that are, are not going to be, like, enormous point getters, but they're going to chip in. They're going to be in your top six. So I don't know, Connor. I know Hyman and Coleman are the names being talked about a lot here in Edmonton, but I, I don't know if, if Kenny Holland can bring those guys here. So I'm kind of looking more down the <laughs> the bottom six. 
free agents than I am yeah. the actual uh, top six because top six is hard. I think that's more going to come in a trade maybe. Yeah, and honestly, I think if you're signing the top six, you're overpaying. Like I, I like to see those guys that like are signed a week later for that bottom six, and you know maybe they don't yeah. find that that money they're looking for, and they kind of realize the market, and then you might think, okay, well, if the money's not necessarily going to be there, maybe I look for a bit of a run, a team that can win some games. And if you're, you know, signing that second contract and you're in your mid twenties, maybe the Oilers are a good fit. I want to throw one name at you, and okay. I, and you know me, and I, I think you're the same way. We love to see the madness on Twitter because Oilers fans are so passionate and so fun uh, to, to interact with and talk with and and get their opinions. What if the Oilers signed Corey Perry to a one year deal? I wouldn't mind it. I'd even try to get Getz left. I know Getz left probably doesn't want to leave California and all that, but look what Corey Perry is doing for that team. Getz left's got jab. He does it all. Yeah, he's older, but I'd definitely take it. And it, it's, <laughs> I, I, I take one of these old guys because you know what? They've been there. They know what it takes. And, and you can never have too many of those guys on your team. And listen, as much as we despise Corey Perry here in Edmonton, he'd be an excellent addition. I even think Getz left would. Um, but it, but like you said, the fans here, it's 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 become kind of annoying, Connor, because, listen, I get the passion and all that, and you want your team to improve. But, like, when we're criticizing and piling on on every move the orders make, and then, listen, uh, analytics to me, I, I, I'm not a big analytics guy, but I, I respect people that I can have a conversation and, and don't base it on that. But you see it nowadays, no matter who the owner is going to bring in, it's analytics numbers flying at you. Like, at the end of the day, you got to watch the games, too. And, and and listen, yeah, analytics, of course, it's a part of the game. A lot of teams use it, but it's not, it, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't make it or break it. Like, I'm sorry, it doesn't. Only one team gets it right. So at the end of the day, Connor, I mean, Corey Perry, I, I think older fans at first would be like, really? But then I think they learn to love him, which is, sounds kind of weird. As soon as he went toe to toe with Matthew Kachuk, Oilers fans would be on board. Like, okay, that that this is why he was made. That's that's the decision, and it'd be great. And you're right. I mean, we we saw Devin Shore that one for a guy uh, seventy five thousand dollars short or over the league minimum, and uh, could potentially be buried, and you wouldn't even worry about it. the The amount of viciousness we saw in that was ridiculous for me, and. Uh, I think that's going to happen no matter what happens. No matter what Nugent gets or if he walks, it's just going to blow up. And our, our peaceful summers will, will not be peaceful. Be, why didn't they sign if they're going to regret it? And then if they sign him, will they pay too much? They're going to regret it. Like, it's here in Edmonton. I, and I, listen, I get it. Like, we're it's not a lot of playoff success. Not a lot of playoffs in the last 15 years. I get it. It's The fan base wants to, sh- to happen quickly. But, you know, I believe in Ken Holland and... Piling on everything the team does doesn't help. I mean, it's let's wait and see. This team has been second in the division the last two seasons. They're a really good regular season team. Yes, they've been a failure in the playoffs, but you got to fail, man, a few times before you get it right. Look at Colorado. Look at what Nathan McKinnon had to say. It's eight years and we haven't won bleep, right? Like, not everyone, <laughs> it's not just automatic. So I, I understand the Oilers fans and the impatience, but all I ask is, like, let's pump the brakes, let's wait till the team hits the ice, and we'll see what kind of team Kenny Holland, Kenny Holland um, puts together. But to pile on everything, Connor, it's just getting old. <laughs> I am with you. We need some more peace out there in the Twitterverse. Yeah. Hernan, thanks so much for doing this. Go, uh, go have a cerveza outside. Enjoy the weather. We'll talk to you later. All right, man.
Excellent stuff from Hernan Salas of TSN 1260. He's also two guys and a goalie. He's locked on Oilers. He's pretty much everywhere if you want to hear about the Edmonton Oilers. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Hernan Demand. And uh, we'll have to get him back on the show and talk about defense and goaltending. That was a lot of fun talking to Hernan. Big thank you to him for doing this. And uh, right now, let's get to our second guest of the show. Let's waste no time because I know your time is valuable and you want to win some money. And uh, Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation is the guy that can help you out. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at the Fantasy Grind. We're going to talk hockey, but we'll also give you some advice on uh, the PGA and even the NFL. I know it's a ways out, but he has some good advice and we're going to share it and we'll do so throughout the summer here on the other Connor podcast. But let's get to the interview that I had with Jeffrey Ulrich right now. We're now joined by Jeffrey Ulrich. He writes at DraftKings Nation. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well at the Fantasy Grind. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad we could do it. Uh, schedules didn't quite work out last week, so I'm sure there's some people out there waiting for the advice that just never really came. But we got you on this week, and there's still plenty of hockey to be played, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I know you're a big golf guy. You write about the DraftKings Nation. You cover golf. Uh, John Rahm, after what he's gone through the last couple of weeks, how shocking was it to see him win the U.S. Open? You know, it, it, it's shocking, but it's also... You know, I don't want to say I expected it, but I, I, you know, just the way he was playing before he obviously had to had to drop out of the memorial, he was just a level above, man. I mean, the the dude was just dusting, you know, the the best players in the world, and you know, it's a break, it's it's mentally tough to go through, but you know, you heard him talking about it, and and he just sounds just like such a mature guy for someone who gets kind of a bad rap as someone who's emotional and he's Spanish and fiery. You listen to John Rom talk, and he's one of the most intelligent players on the PGA Tour. So, uh, personally, I honestly wasn't that shocked. You know, um, I wish I had taken my own advice and, and, and you know, like, bet him. Like, I, I, I think I threw it on Twitter a month ago or something. But regardless, um, that, you know, I, it's, the guy is just, he's A, a, a top three golfer in the world. He's number one ranked golfer in the world right now. But in terms of talent, there's, there's not many play players that even hold a candle to him. And, like I said, mentally and just from a maturity perspective, the guy is, is amazing. So I was very happy to see it. Yeah, I mean, and, and even, like I know we're supposed to talk about gambling here and everything, but just <laughs> just seeing what he went through, you know, being on top and then, you know, finding out he had tested positive for COVID, the reaction, I was like, man, you know, I'm rooting for this guy. He, he's yep. got to find a way to do it. So for him to cut on, come out on top at the U.S. Open, you know, a prestigious event, obviously, outstanding for Rama. How about top-rated Canadian uh, Mackenzie Hughes uh, finishing plus one if you are looking to throw some money down, is that a guy to watch out for going forward? Uh, actually, kind of, yeah. I mean, um, you know, Mackenzie Hughes at the U.S. Open, not really a name I would have ever really thought about. He doesn't hit it big off the tee. Uh, you know, that tends to be the weakest part of his game, which tends to get you in trouble at the U.S. Open because you're in the rough a lot. Uh, maybe you don't have as much distance. But Mackenzie Hughes around the greens and, and with his putter, is he, he is right up there, man. And, and those those scoring clubs can keep you in it. I mean, we saw with the leader for a lot of the event, Louis Ustase, and do the same thing. And Mackenzie Hughes is, is just turning out to be like one of those greasy players, like kind of like a Matt Kuchar, or even just like, I call him the Canadian Jordan Spieth because he can just sink it from anywhere, like around the greens. I mean, he, he is legitimately that good. Um, it's kind of cool to have a player from Canada be like that. You know, we, we have a lot of like pure ball strikers. We have Graham Delag, Corey Connors, but Mackenzie Hughes is just kind of his own player in that respect. Um, really elite putter, really elite around the greens, and 
Yeah, I don't know if he'll ever, you know, grab a big trophy like a U.S. Open, but I, I definitely see this guy winning again on the PGA. He's just too good with the flat stick not to. So uh, a player definitely, I, I'm actually just going to keep my eye on more going forward because when he gets hot with that club, uh, he could definitely score. And uh, a player probably pay off a long odds one week too. When you go into DraftKings and, you know, you, you decide you're going to get in on the action with golfing, uh, how difficult is it? Like, it seems to me, you know, obviously there's, there's the guys that you think you have a realistic shot, but every once in a while there can be someone who, you know, the casual golf fan may never even have heard of before, oh, yeah. and they go on a heck of a run. Like, we, we know in hockey, you know who you kind of want to target, but with golf it almost seems like it's totally different. It, it, you know, golf is... Uh, to me, that's actually the funnest DFS sport because it's very simple to put together a lineup. You know, there's no positional things you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about, is a guy going to get minutes tonight? You know, like, what's his rebound rate and stuff like that? Is a coach going to play him? You don't have to worry about any of that with golf. Everybody's playing 18 holes every day, assuming they make the cut, right? That's its own thing, but um, you're just putting together six guys and they're all on equal playing fields. And, and some of the guys are going to be recognizable names and some of them you've never heard before. But that's what makes it fun. I mean, you can legitimately randomly go put in a lineup, three guys you know, three guys you never heard of, and you can have a shot because um, the variance with these guys from the bottom end of the field can just be huge week to week. Every year on the PGA Tour, there's this 501-odd winners. You know, they happen a couple times a year. Guys who they've been missing cuts, they're not playing good, and they just get that spark in their game. And uh, that's why golf is just so exciting, quite frankly. And it's fun from a betting standpoint, too. So... Um, what I do, you know, you, you really just try and follow the talent. Uh, a, a great example of a guy, you know, uh, you brought up, uh, someone most people never heard of, is, is Garrick Hago, who won the week before the U.S. Open. This guy was absolutely mashing over in Europe. He's a South African, extremely talented. No one in North America had heard of Garrick Hago before, like, two weeks ago. Uh, he won an event, he got in the U.S. Open, and, and you know, all of a sudden, he's, he's won some people some money the last couple of weeks over in, over in the States. So, um, you know, it happens every year, it's, and it's a fun sport to follow for that reason. You know, guys can get really hot, come out of nowhere, and uh, it's really exciting, quite frankly. And, and it can be really profitable if, you, if you're putting in the time and research, too. I mean, I know a lot of guys in the industry, they, they grind, they, they keep track of guys over in Europe, and it really pays off. So it's a fun sport to uh, sweat for DFS and betting. Now, my, I don't want to say favorite, but one of my favorite sports is the NFL, and I'm going to ask you some questions about that later on. But it is a hockey-based podcast, so uh, let me ask you a few things here. Of course, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and uh, New York Islanders set to take a, take the ice for Game 5. Uh, we're pre-taping this Monday night, of course, so you still got a few more games left in that series. And then, of course, Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens at least three more games to be played, and then we still got the Stanley Cup final. So right now, Jeffrey, uh, who are some players you're liking right now for the old daily fantasy sports when it comes to hockey in the NHL? I mean, right now, I'm, I'm kind of just liking the goalies. <laughs> like, you know, we got obviously two low-scoring series, and, and we have four goalies who are kind of, uh, I mean, Vegas obviously a little bit of a rotation, but, you know, four teams with really solid net minding right now. Um, I, I think... You know, for me right now, the, the kind of must plays are, are more on the defensive side. You know, you've got Victor Hedman, Alex, um, Alex Pedrangelo. You know, they, they, they're just they're playing such big minutes. They're getting such good production for daily fantasy shots on goal, block shots. And you've got Hedman coming in to this pivotal game five. He's got over 17 DK fantasy points in his last uh, in two of his last three games. You know, he, he's playing big minutes. Those are the guys right now with, with this low-scoring series I'm really looking at just paying up for. And, I mean, both Petter Angelo and, uh, and, and Hedman, you know, getting involved big time on the offensive side right now. So 
Um, those are players like uh, I don't mind building around. You know, the, the goaltending can be very, you know, you, you've got to be on the winner night tonight. But, you know, those defensemen are going to get minutes. So I kind of like starting with them and, and then going down there and, and just trying to look for more secondary scoring. I mean, I think the, the easy target for me this entire postseason has been the depth scoring for the Islanders. Like that second line with Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, uh, they've always been cheap. They've been they've had good player props too. If you're into betting on the player prop side, like you can get like po- like to score a point, to score a goal on guys like Bailey and Brock Nelson at like plus money every night. And if you've just bet that legitimately through the playoffs, you're in the profit easily right now because those guys have been producing for New York. So um, those Islanders, uh, you know, second, third liners, even um, they, they've been really good to, to just keep riding in the playoffs. One guy that I, I feel like if you watched uh, WHL hockey in the you know 2010-2011, you're a big fan of Braden Point. And to this day, I still don't know how he slid to the third round of that draft. Like I remember screaming at the TV, how has he not been drafted? Like it's One one thing to get out of the first round, but then to fall into the second, it just made no sense. He scored in seven straight playoff games. I'm going to knock on wood here so I don't jinx it. But, I mean... He's obviously someone you have to look at when you're going into uh, into your daily fantasy sports when it comes to skaters. Is there anyone else that you're thinking, man, this this guy is almost a must-purchase because he's just too good right now? Yeah, no, po- point is this is just, you know, I, I thought last year's playoffs were coming out party for point, but, I mean, it's, it's really this year's playoffs. I mean, he is he's carrying the, the team right now. And, and like you mentioned, he, he really is kind of just – a guy you got to get in there. I mean, I, I think for me, and, and I already mentioned it, but it's Peter Angelo on, on the on the Golden Knights. I mean, he is just playing such big minutes, and I'm sure the St. Louis Blues fans are just vomiting every time he's on the ice because, you know, uh, they, 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 I know Blues fans are very like sort of polarized over him, but this guy just eats up minutes, and and he's he's very, you know, he, we didn't see him as much with the offense during the regular season, but he's seeing it during the playoffs. This guy's got it in him to be just one of the top kind of, you know, top defensemen in the league. So those are two guys I'm just looking at like every night, you know, how do I build around them? Uh, I think Matthew Barzell is, is also deserves a shout out though. I mean, he has really picked up his game since the first series um, for, for the Islanders, uh, you know, six goals in his last, I think eight games now or something like that. He's around there. He, he's just been very, very productive and they needed him. They needed him to step up against Boston, and he did. They needed that first line to do something, and he's, he's you know, he's really been the difference, too, uh, against Tampa, just keeping them in it. So, you know, Barzell for the Islanders, it's kind of just all the big boys at this point, um, you know, doing stuff and, and, and keeping their teams in it. I, I think that Montreal-Vegas series, um, you know, definitely a little bit more sort of like as a, a, a goal-by-committee series with, with the goalie standing out, but... Um, you know, definitely, you know, the, the defenseman in that series is a shout-out, too. Now, I, I teased we were going to talk a little bit about the NFL, and uh, before we started taping, you brought up uh, Carl Nassib, who uh, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end, came out that he's a, a gay man playing in the NFL, the first openly gay player to do so. And on top of that, which I think is courageous and awesome to see, he also donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project. It's a suicide pre- prevention organization for LGBTQ youth, which is awesome. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, I, we had the founders of Pride tape on the show, so... Uh, we here at the Hockey Podcast Network and the other Connor Podcast. Super stoked to see this. I think it's great for the hockey world. Uh, you mentioned it, Jeffrey, how you thought it was a really cool thing. Um, just maybe comment on that as well as going into the fantasy football season. Who are some players you're looking forward to to have a big year? 
yeah, no, obviously, you know, Nassim coming out, it, it just, it's just good for everything, for everyone. And, and, and just such kudos to him for doing it, for, for being a trailblazer. I, I can't, you know, I'm, I, I can't put myself in his shoes and say how hard it is. And, and I know that it's difficult to, to be the first person to come out and do it and, and how much pressure is, is on these guys. And he's going to open doors for, for other people to, to you know, have the, the courage to, to maybe be like, uh, to try and go after the same type of career as him. I mean, it's just, it's a big thing. It really is. So good news today. Uh, very happy to, to, to hear that, obviously. And, and uh, again, just shout out to him. But um, yeah, for, for fantasy football, you know, we've had a little bit of movement. We had Julio Jones, obviously. Uh, going to the Titans, um, you know, something to keep track of. Definitely puts a little bit of a damper on on kind of the A.J. Brown, you know, um, party, so to speak, that I think a lot of people were very high on him as like a top five uh, wide receiver. So I'm still high on, on A.J. Brown, but, uh, you know, you definitely do have to recognize that, you know, Julio Jones is going to come in, take some of those, um, take some of those targets, so to speak. So, uh, you know, something to think about. Uh, that, that's probably been like the most significant news that we've had over the last little bit. As far as wide receiver goes, um, you know, I, I think that it's it's probably going to open up a, a few doors for for a potential value um, to to get guys like like Julio Jones or AJ Brown if they do start to drop in the standings. But it's definitely a situation you want to keep an eye on. If Brown drops too far, potentially be a really good value target. But at this point, you know with his targets potentially just taking a hit, you know, I, I kind of more interested in, in a guy like DK Metcalf maybe, or even uh, in Allen Robinson, you know, guys who are legit number ones and won't have uh, necessarily as much competition for targets. Now, Jeff, we might have to talk to the Hockey Podcast Network and see if we can do just a uh, preview show for fantasy football because I, I could talk oh, yeah. on this topic all day. Um, <laughs> now, just one last question for you sticking with the fantasy football. You talk about the Tennessee Titans and what they did. Ryan Tannehill. Where do you put him in your quarterback ratings? Because like last year, 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions, uh, just under 4,000 yards passing. Like they were moving the ball downfield with Brown and Corey Davis. So you take Corey Davis out, you put in Julio. I mean, these numbers could blow up for Tannehill. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty high on the Tennessee Titans this year. I'm I'm not going to lie. Um, this is a team that you know people forget they outscored uh, just on a points per game basis the Kansas City Chiefs last year. I mean, this was a good offense last year. And you know you can you can make some arguments. You know they lost Jonu Smith, and and how big an upgrade is Julio Jones at this point in his career? But I'm sorry, like I, he's still an upgrade over Corey Davis, and and I really like the way Ryan Tannehill played last year, and just the way he's played since he's been in Tennessee. So I, I think this offense might have another gear, and and I, and I think Ryan Tannehill, like I agree, he's a guy who can run a little bit for you. I think that there's a good chance that Tennessee, with the 17 game season, maybe chooses to just run. Derrick Henry just a little bit less. You know, it's not going to take much, but I think Tannehill has a shot at, you know, maybe 4,500 yards this year. I mean, it's a bit of an outlier, and I'm definitely more prone to kind of, you know, take a shot on him in fantasy this year than I have been in years past. Um, he's a very efficient quarterback as well in an offense that just suits his uh, suits his strength to a T. So I think Tannehill going around, uh, you know, an ADP around QB 10, QB 12 right now, kind of in that range. I don't really have a problem uh, take, taking a shot at him at all. Uh, I, I think that Tennessee offense is, again, going to be run to go. I think Tennessee is going to be a team that is going to be good for, for a lot of the year. I think they're going to be a challenger in the AFC. And I think Tannehill brings uh, you know a lot of the, the characteristics with the rushing upside as well. So, yeah, I, I, Tannehill's a guy, if you're waiting on quarterback, um, definitely you should be targeting him. You know, if, you, if you're not going to take uh, the top, one of the top five players and you, you're just kind of waiting to the later rounds, 
definitely a player you can use, even even just as a starter all year, because I don't think Tennessee is going to be a team that you're going to have to worry about in terms of just flaming out and, and getting like you know multiple bad games from your QB. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, he, he seems like that guy that kind of the, the bigger names might be taken, maybe the Mahomes and the Dax, the Russell Wilsons, and you might be sitting there with a really good team and think, I can throw Tannehill in here. Even even his first year there, uh, twenty two touchdowns to six interceptions. Uh, that was only in ten games started. Like he he's got the the track record of doing it. I I might be talking myself into looking at him as a quarterback. And she's ten years ago. Uh, well, not ten years ago. Let's say seven years ago when he was just struggling in Miami. Never thought I'd say those words. So uh, kind of talked myself into it. Jeffrey, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Definitely talk NFL soon. Appreciate it. Excellent stuff, as always. Jeffrey Ulrich of DraftKings Nation. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at the Fantasy Grind. And I, I like the idea of talking a little bit more fantasy football with Jeffrey Ulrich. Last year, I got into daily fantasy sports on DraftKings playing NFL football, and it's a lot of fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I love my league. I love the trash talk that you have going back and forth with your buddies. But daily fantasy sports is a lot of fun. You know, you can make that lineup, the dream lineup, week to week, and We'll definitely get into that more once the NFL season gets going. But that is going to do it for another episode of the Other Connor Podcast. I just want to thank my guests, Hernan Salas, TSN 1260, of course, Jeffrey Ulrich, who we just had on from DraftKings Nation. And most importantly, you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, and we'll talk to you next time on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.